and welcome back to By the Fire podcast, where I, Ken, your host, take you through mythical tales and creatures from across the Black Diaspora. Today, I'll be talking about creatures under the sea. So why did I choose this topic? Well, it was actually voted in by one of my Kofi supporters. They decided I gave them the opportunity to choose from sea creatures and land creatures and sea one. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really fun to research and let's get into these creatures under the sea. The Ninkananka is a dragon who lives in the river and swamps of River Gambia, which is in the West African region. It is said that when children get too confident and feel that they can disobey their parents and go into the swamp, they will be taken by the Ninkananka. For some people, it's an enormous serpent with reflective scales, a head crest and forehead jewel, and for others, it's a winged dragon. In both cases, its length varies between that of a blue well and half a football pitch, so it's not exactly hard to miss. The Ninkananka creeps out of the muddy banks at night to devour you on sight. Wow, on sight. Wow, the Ninkananka really invented on sight? Interesting. Even if you see it first, you're doomed. Just laying eyes upon it pretty much guarantees your death from anywhere between a few years and five years later. Okay, so it's not necessarily on site on site, but it's like, okay, I see you and you don't know when I'm coming. That's kind of scarier. Anyway, so anyone who sees the Ninkananka will die eventually, apparently, unless that person manages to remain cool, which few succeed in doing. A ranger from the Kiang West National Park claimed that he saw the Ninkananka and survived the encounter thanks to a holy imam potion. So, in terms of an appearance in person, a group of dragon hunters from the Centre Fortrian Zoology went to Gambia in the summer of 2006 to investigate sightings of the Ninkananka. Also, in the 1990s, the site of the proposed hotel, the Palmarima, was actually presumed to be the lair of the Ninkananka and since no one wanted to hunt it, they found perhaps the most eco-friendly solution, which was to plant a tree over the hole. So, uh, that's so interesting because it reminds me of the silk cotton tree, which essentially has the spirits of, um, as the spirits of, you know, ghosts in that tree, residing in that tree. That's why it's not good to cut it down. I just can't imagine what would happen if someone wanted to cut down that tree that covered the lair of the Ninkananka. What you know, what terrors would they be releasing? So that's something scary to think about. The Inkanyamba is a legendary serpent said to be living in a waterfall lake area in the northern forest near Pietermaritzburg, most commonly in the base of Harwick Falls in South Africa. In the Hausa language, it's said to mean tornado or a hurricane. The Zulu tribes of the area believe it to be a large serpent with a horse-like head and it's most active in the summer months, and it's believed that its anger causes the seasonal storms, i.e. storm damage and the loss of livestock. The Inkanyamba are said to be a population of large migratory carnivorous eels. One sighting claims that it reared its neck and was at least 9 metres long. These creatures have been described as, as I mentioned before, eel-like creatures, with finned manes, huge foreflippers, a horse-like head and a nasty disposition. According to the traditional Hosa beliefs, the Inkanyamba, which to some legends is also a winged serpent, takes to the sky annually in the form of a giant tornado in order to find its mate. Native superstitions aside, the absence of the Inkanyamba during the summer months 
is an indication of the long-held dual assumption that these creatures are migratory in nature. People believe that the creatures will mistake blue or reflective rooftop for water and attempt to dive into them, so they sometimes paint their roofs dark colours to avoid attracting its attention. In order to keep the Incanyamba away from towns, people may sacrifice goats or chickens to it, but this is quite uncommon. Modern interpretations of the beast claim that they are most likely exaggerated eels. Popular candidates include the giant mottled eel, which lives mainly in the Mozambique and the Lower Zambezi region, as well as the African longfin eel found in freshwaters in southern Kenya, Cape Agulhas and Madagascar. Archaeologists have discovered cave paintings that resemble the Inkanyamba, depicted with horns, crest along their back and water spewing from their mouths. These have been dubbed rain animals due to their associations with thunderstorms. The Jengu is a mermaid, or known as a water spirit, in the traditional beliefs of the Sawa ethnic groups of Cameroon. Bakweri beliefs talk of a female spirit named Mojili or Mojele. Mojili became the ancestor of the Miengu when she lost a bet with Moto, the ancestor of mankind, over who could build a longer lasting fire. Moto won the right to stay in the village, but Mojili was forced to flee to the sea. The Bakweri still worship Mojili as the ruler of the Miengu. In fact, her name is so powerful that many believe that children under seven may die if they hear it uttered. So the Jengu live in the rivers and the sea and bring good fortune to worshippers. Their appearance may differ from people to people, but the consensus is that the Jengu are beautiful mermaid-like figures with long hair and gap-toothed smiles. They're also healers and intermediaries between people and spirits, and you don't really need to escape it because they are benevolent unless unless you're under seven, then you just don't wanna hear it, I guess, otherwise you'll die. So for the reason of it not being malevolent, um, a Jengu cult has long enjoyed popularity amongst the Duala peoples. For the inland Bakweri, Jengu worship is a rite of passage for eight to 10 year old girls. The Ananza is the goddess of the sea and comes from the Efik people of Nigeria and she's located at the bayside of Calabar South. Ananza can be said to possess young girls and when she possesses a girl, the girl dreams a whole lot about the water and the famous Ekombi dance, which is a dance attributed to Ananza. So because of her beauty, the possessed would be stunning and would attract men, even if the possessed isn't dressed seductively. Ananza is a very fearful deity that when rejected, she can be dreadfully insane, but very humble when she's accepted. It was also said that the NNS Victory, the naval base that covers the Cross River States, which is where I'm from, eh, is currently situated at the back of the stadium, was formerly known as the NNS Ananza. She was a very territorial mermaid, causing so many uproars for the Nigerian Navy and sinking ships. The Navy had to appease her so that she could allow them to take control of the water's borders, so they named their base NNS Ananza and performed sacrifices and rites to appease her. It was said that she was chased to the high seas, never to return, and that gave them the courage to change the name to NNS Victory, believing that they had conquered her. It's believed that she would come back because she had conscripted many young women who have continued her teachings and paving ways for her homecoming. She crosses the road at a particular day and at a particular time. When she crosses, rain falls but doesn't touch the ground. That's quite interesting. Um, 
I don't know if I have any ethic people listen to this, but I do know quite a few. And yeah, to actually have um, a mythology from where I'm from, like my actual state in Nigeria, is really interesting. And like, I don't know, it kind of puts like Cross River on the map because, you know, we're kind of a small group. I'm not ethic myself, but um, yeah, it's quite nice to hear um, about some folklore from my area. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. That was the first episode that was voted in by one of my Kofi followers because if you support from at least £15 upwards, then you get to vote and choose for the next episode. So thank you for giving me this idea and it was really fun to research and, you know, present it. Um, I actually have a few Kofi shout outs to give. So I want to shout out um, Nia and Yemsi. I think I shouted out Yemsi already. You can never have too many shout outs. But yes, I really want to um, just thank you for your support. And yeah, also I have my first um, member, which means um, I have a supporter who will be given every month, which is insane. So I really thank you as well. And yeah, if you do want to support, if you enjoy this episode, you can support my Kofi, K-O dash fi um by the fire podcast um where you can yep see behind the scenes footage such as um how i made actually not how i made this one but it's more like how i put together all the sources for for this one for this episode um because i do have a blog which is by the fire podcast.blogspot.com that's where i put all the information about um the resources that i use to you know give you this information so you know we don't still stuff out here we always credit where credit is due so yeah if you want to check that out um you know where the website is um be sure to rate and comment on apple Podcasts and follow on spotify and you can also listen on soundcloud use the hashtag btfpod so we can continue the conversation online and i look forward to you joining me for the next episode you can also follow by the fire underscore pod on instagram twitter and tiktok as well as on facebook as well where i upload proverbs and superstitions and folklore so i'm really active on social media as well i also have a youtube um it's just an introduction to you know my behind the scenes stuff um but a lot of my work is exclusive so you know if you don't support my kofi you won't be able to see my face anyway um, if you have a creature or folklore you'd like to hear or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email bythefire at bythefire.mail at gmail.com. So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait to catch you with me by the fire. Bye!